Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker betting show. This is a Sandown preview of Saturday's racing, focusing on the Eclipse, of course. I'm your host, George Ellick, and I'm joined by two debut guests. It's kind of that season, that time in football. You know, all the contracts ended yesterday, a lot of football clubs announcing new signings. We've got a couple of young loanies. Let's hope they can make the move permanent. Uh, joining us on the Odds Checker betting show today, Tom Pearson and Ryan Summerfield. Uh, guys, uh, I know you, you've done a bit of work with Odds Checker before, so you'll be familiar to a lot of people out there, especially those on, on social media and stuff who follow you. Um, but just give us a, a quick intro as, as to who you are and kind of your betting strategy and, and things like that. Ryan, I'll, I'll come to you first because I know Tom's nervous about his intro. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm Ryan. Um, I have my own tipping sides and my own horse racing podcast that I do with Steve, obviously, and Odds Checker um, tips for himself. And... Yeah, I've worked with Oddchecker before, doing obviously the Twitter spaces with Ch- uh, Chandler and Royal Ascot, so you may see me from there. Um, first time on the podcast, um, so I'm looking forward to it. And yeah, my, my betting strategy, it's more looking at the unusual things in racing, so um, looking at the looking at different trainer styles, uh, steps up and trip, headgear, um, trainers having certain records with jockeys, tracks, headgear and that sort of thing. So I, I look for sort of the unusual angles that, that may um, maybe under the radar in, in the betting market. So, yeah, that would be my sort of betting strategy. Always love an unusual angle. Uh, Tom, how about yourself? Yeah, um, I'm fairly new to the odds checker team. Uh, so, just did the first Cheltenham spaces back in March. Um, I've been kind of on and off tipping since, well, for, for a good couple of years now. Um, I've just started my own syndicate as well. So, that's something to look forward to um, in terms of my betting strategy. I always look for kind of what I think are weak favourites, uh, favourites that I want to take on, especially ones that take up a good chunk of the market, and then uh, look for kind of each way alternatives, ones that are much bigger than they actually should be because of how weak I think the favourite is. So, yeah, nice. hopefully. Um, thank you for the young compliment as well. I've not heard that. <laughs> uh, um, it looks like this is a good podcast for you to be in because personally I'm, I'm absolutely desperate to take on the favourite in the Eclipse, but we'll get to that later on. Um, and, and Ryan, just just quickly, you know, you mentioned there, um, you know, you like to look at unusual angles, sand down as a track. Are there any kind of specific things you look at when you're punting a sand down? Um, at sand down, I do like horses, especially over the mile and, and, and the further distances, horses that have won or have form over further. I do think it's a track that takes a little bit of getting, um, especially if they can go too hard. So, yeah, over the mile and mile and two, I do like horses that have shown form over a little bit further, just so you know that sort of in the last further along of the race, when it does get um, stamina sapping, you've, you've got a horse that will will fight it out. So, yeah, the, the sprint track can be quite difficult. It, the the draw bias can swing from time to time, depending on the ground and, and depending on the pace as well. So that's a bit more volatile. But, yeah, especially over the, the mile and further, I do like horses that, that have form over further. And Tom, how can we expect the uh, the going to be? I, I played golf around the corner from Sandown yesterday and I got absolutely soaked. Um, so do we have any idea what, what we're expecting? Is there any rain forecast in the next couple of days? For, from my weather apps, I don't think there is um, over today and tomorrow. So I'm hoping it's just kind of genuine. There's probably going to be a little bit soft in it, enough for kind of the horses that appreciate a bit of juice in there. But I don't think it's going to be fast. I don't think it's going to be slow. I think it's just going to be perfect genuine good ground so hopefully no excuses for any of them lovely stuff let's get into the preview we're going to be starting um with the 150 at sandown uh the charge the coral charge uh, and then we're going to go through the card seven races on the card as well so we'll go through each one in order before we get into it do 
download the Odds Checker app. There you can find the best prices that we'll be talking uh, in terms of today. Best bookie offers, free bets, place terms uh, as well. Always important. A couple of bookies uh, I can see going uh, four places in the first. Um, uh, and also some of the best tipsters in the game, including Andy Holding, who we've given a well-earned break today. Uh, me and him seem to be talking more often than I do with my wife. So it was time for Andy to, to have a break this week, but he'll be back, I'm sure, uh, next week. So I uh, hope he has a, a good weekend. Uh, but let's look at the first then. As I mentioned, and the eight runners, dead eight runners as it stands at the moment. So, um, and Skybet and William Hill are both paying paying four places with eight runners, which seems mighty generous. Uh, Russell is the three to one joint favourite with uh, Mitt Barhi at three to one, Equilateral at eleven to two, Nymphadora eight to one, Arecibo nine to one, Method ten to one, Tippy Toes ten to one, Existent twelve to one. Uh, Ryan, it's a, a, a trappy first race, but as I say, if you can chop around and get that four places, it's definitely an angle to, to be taken up there. Yeah, yeah, it's very generous to four places. Personally, I, I don't think you'll need the four places because I think the winner is near the head of the market um, with Ooh. the Roger Varian trained Mitt Barhi. Um, three-year-olds have a very, very good record in the race. They've won six of the last ten and recently they've won three of the last five. So um, it's a good recent record for the three-year-olds. Happy Romance was very unlucky last year. It was another three-year-old being half a length and given absolute loads to do. So arguably it could have been four of the last five winners being three-year-olds. And yeah, I just think this time of year, the three-year-olds come up against the older horses for the first time in each division. And this is one of them races that seems to be a swing for the three-year-olds. A big key pointer for this race is the Scory Stakes, um, which is obviously run last month. Um, it's run over the same course and distance, but for three-year-olds only. And um, yeah, the double's been done six times overall, but three times more recently. In, in 2015, Wadi won both races. In 2017, obviously, the superstar Batash won both races. And then in 2019, Curious won both races. So it's a very, very good key pointer for the, for this race. And Mitt Bar, he was an impressive winner of the Scory Stakes. Um, he managed to beat Adam West living the dream who's an absolute speedball and a horse i really like um living the dream was a handicap winner at sandow and anchester by making all of the running ran really well in the epsom dash as well and that horse was a very very fast horse and met bar he made him look slow to be honest he, he was held up in the scurry stakes but came through with a really nice run frankie dettori had an easy enough time on it in front on, on living the dream but Bar he put him away quite comfortably a length and a half, two lengths. And um, yeah, I just thought it was a wicked turn of foot to come well off the pace in that race. So um, yeah, he's won, won a four-runner conditions race at Hamilton before winning this race. So he's quite versatile in terms of tactics and, and pace of the race. He's got a nice draw in store one with uh, Tippy Toes in store two, who's the likely pace in the race with Mark Johnson and Sylvester D'Souza. So, yeah, I don't see many negatives to be honest with Bar. He would store one, I suppose he could get stuck in a pocket, but hopefully he just follows tippy toes through um, and, and, yeah, puts in a similar performance to his scurry stakes win. Just to give a quick mention to Arecibo, who's a horse I absolutely love. He, he was chinned in the race last year, he was only getting a neck, um, but he, he comes into the race just not in the same form as last year. Last year, he came into the race off, off two handicap wins and a, and a really, really good run when second in the King stand at, at Ascot. And this year, he's just not looked in the same form. But you never know with these sprinters, a, a return to this track and, and a dropping class might, might might help him return to form. But yeah, Mitt Barhe would be one of my more confident selections on the car this weekend. Mitt Barhe, pretty much three to one across the board. Uh, the, the selection there and a strong selection there in the opener for Ryan. Uh, Tom, do you have a similarly strong view? Uh, probably not as strong. I, I did think Mick Barhi was definitely worthy of some obvious respect. I mean, Rise kind of covered everything about the scurry stakes that I was going to say. The only thing I'd add is that in 2014, extortionist, he was uh, he was beating the scurry, beat a long way actually, before winning this. So yeah, it, it is a really good trial. 
like looking at the times um, from his sundown win last time as well, it was exactly the uh, class four cap, the next race on the cards. But his final two furlongs were about four lengths quicker than the uh, handicap. And they went quicker early on in the handicap too. So he's managed to kind of quicken really nicely off a, a relatively, I wouldn't say necessarily living the dream hung about or anything like that. Like wasn't going slow by any stretch, but the fact that he was able to quicken about four lengths quicker over the final two furlongs than the, the sprint handicap where they went quicker is kind of testament to just how much ability he actually has. Um, I thought he was kind of a, a fair favourite, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm not really sure how much pace there's going to be, to be honest. Like I know Rai touched on Tippy Toes. Um, she'd actually be the one that I quite liked here. She, she probably will go forward from stall two. You don't really book uh, Sylvester D'Souza on a front runner's track if you're not going to go forward from that mm. draw. I mean, Method went forward at Salisbury last time, but I mean, that's that was over six furlongs. He's dropping back to five furlongs here. The kind of sand down five furlongs pace versus Salisbury six furlongs early pace is a little bit different. And there wasn't anything else that would go forward in that Salisbury race. So I think he kind of went forward out of necessity rather than kind of wanting to, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I was very keen on tippy toes for the Palace of Holyrood House handicap at Royal Ascot. And the results book tells you that she finished 14th, but she was absolutely miles better than that result if you watch it back. Uh, she was held up in midfield. She was travelling really well. Just as she was about to start a run, she had the door slammed on her and it kept getting slammed on her. Like By the time she got a clear run, she'd actually drop back to second and last with just a furlong and a half to run. So I thought she was well worth like a serious markup for that, to be honest. She travels so well that she's definitely worth another go at the trip. Like you look back at a Sandy Lane run a couple of starts ago over six. That's really strong form. She traveled really well into that race as well. Stalled two with a front running jockey on board. I, I can see her going back to those tactics. You watch her Chelmsford run earlier in the season. She just sat like second um, just off Sadmar, I think it was, in that listed mm. race at Chelmsford. And I think, yeah, she's just got the pace to kind of travel well from the front end, kick clear two furlongs out, and hopefully they won't catch her. So, yeah, a 10 to 1 outside with tippy toes. But if you do like Mip Bahi, I certainly wouldn't put anybody off. Yeah, tippy toes, 10 to 1 best price. That's a bet 365. But if you want to take the four places, you go to William Hill. They're 17 to 2, four places there, which could be the way to go, especially if tippy toes sent forward uh, there, as Tom thinks Sylvester will do. Uh, a couple of, of decent sections there in the first. We'll move on to the second race of the day in now, um, which is the Coral Challenge to handicap over a mile. Sinjari, uh, a big eye catcher from, from Royal Ascot, is the 11 to 4 favourite. Check and challenge last seen being hampered in the guineas uh, 11 to 2 lion tower 11 to 2 as well escobar 17 to 2 uh, tahitian prince 11 to 1 uzo 12s alongside flying high darkness 14 to 1 uh, trey fleur uh, 14s chance 16s and mostawa 25 to 1 again a couple of firms going four places here william hill and betfred and life score bet as well a new addition to the odds checker grids hadn't seen them there before um right tom i'll give you first run here yeah, um, this is one of the races where um, I, I really like Sinjari as a horse, but I just think he looks an absolutely appalling favourite to me here. Like, he's one <laughs> of those horses, he's just so much better to back at decent prices in big fields with a strong pace. Like the Hunt Cup, he, he was really eye-catching, but that's his kind of race, like those big field handicaps. He's just like, caught on the wrong side, wasn't he? Yeah, I, I just think, like, yeah, he, he's one of those horses that he just... 
flatters to deceive more often than not. Like he doesn't have as many wins as he should. He's off a relatively high mark as well. So I think he's one that's like really easy to avoid. Like you look at the pace as well. Like there just doesn't really seem to be any pace here to me. You've got flying high, ran air. Ran, front ran, sorry, at Newbury last time, given that I've got high on a share and raising sand back in third. I'd be very mm. disappointed if that form was good enough to win, win a race of this quality, to be honest. Um, Lion Tower, I'm a big fan of the horse. He, he's capable of sitting handy, but I think those two might kind of have the race on to themselves on the front end. Like I didn't see anything else that would potentially go forwards, but I'm glad that you mentioned that Check and Challenge was hampered in the Guineas. Um, throughout all of the kind of Ascot Twitter can you, space. Can you, tell that, can you tell that I might have been on? <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I was as well. And then I backed him for the St. James's Palace as well. Yeah. And throughout all of those Twitter spaces, I, I kind of got funny looks from whenever I said, oh, he got hampered. But he, he did get hampered. Like He tried to quicken at the same time as Native Trail, which just, he, he's not as good as Native Trail. Like There's no harm yeah. in that. But he was definitely better than the kind of the bare finishing position. Um, I, I think he's definitely worth following up in a handicap off 108. Like he's got nine pound weight allowance from his elders. Yeah, I, I mean, if you look back at his Buridon stakes as well, that, that was a really smart performance, especially considering it was only his second start. Like he clocked a really good time figure that day as well. And Danny Tudup didn't have to pick up the stick. But more importantly, that race just turned into a bit of a kind of sit and sprint. Uh, I think that will suit him perfectly, especially in a race like this where there doesn't seem to be any obvious pace so even though he might get a little bit too far back I think the race could set up absolutely perfectly for him I think taking advantage of the weight allowance in a handicap for a 50k prize is a really good bit of placement from William mm. Knight and I think he'll be going very very close here I'm a huge fan of the horse yeah see a blue and odds checker uh, at the moment 11 to 2 uh, with oh. Hills and, and, and Betfred uh, if you want to take the four places and live score bet I should say as well currently and, and you know Ryan you spoke about interesting angles or, or you know strange angles a, a three-year-old being pitched in here off the back of a, an unlucky guineas run um it, it's as Tom says it's an interesting and, and maybe quite a clever piece of placement yeah it definitely is and I'm glad you went to Tom first because I know Tom's an absolutely huge fan of the horse um, tipped him up in the guineas and he's been following him since so yeah I'm glad you went with, with him first my, my only sort of doubt um, firstly is the yard form so William Knight's naught from 90 in the last two weeks he hasn't had a winner in the last 28 days uh, since the mm. very start of June and he's only had two seconds in that time as well so the like although you know checking challenges is one of the best horses in his yard and, and they usually say like with the best horse in the yard yard form doesn't affect them as much but it still would be a doubt that the yard's north 19 and, and nearly hasn't had a winner in a month um and then obviously we've got the fact that he's two from two on your weather and and his only defeat has come on the turf albeit that was in the guineas so which is <laughs> mild better form than than anything that's shown in this race but like for me i just think if like he's off a mark of 108 i think if he was off a mark of around 100 um, I'd be going all in and, and like it would be a confidence selection but I just think off, off 108 like how much room has he got off that mark like I don't necessarily think he, he's a 115 horse or anything like but that be, so but being given the being given the nine pounds he kind of is racing he's racing off 99 basically isn't he he is but the t- Tom always tells me he's wait for age for a reason um, I, I, lo- <laughs> I, I love the three-year-old I, I love the three-year-old weight allowance especially when um going up to a mile six and two miles, the, the weight allowance that they get when they get over a stone at this time of year, it's huge. But it, it like Tom always does tell me, it is weight for a reason. Um, <laughs> like he's only had three runs. 
So I, I, I did look elsewhere. I, I completely agree. Shinjari, I thought, was a poor favourite. Um, he's two from 19 in his career. And, and as you mentioned, George, he was very eye-catching. But you can say that for, for probably five or six of his last seven or eight runs. Um, yeah. He's been very eye-catching, second, fifth, fourth in big field handicaps. And um, he just is that sort of horse. Um, I thought Escobar was worth an each-way play in this race getting the extra places uh, around 17 to 2. Um, he's run in this race three times before and finished second, second and fourth. Um, and I think they were all better in Eels than this. Um, he is off his highest mark. He's, he's off 106, which is quite tough. But he won the Balmoral off 105, beating Lord North two years ago. Um, and that, that's a strong piece of form. He's finished third in a Challenge Cup, third in a Golden Mile at Goodwood, third in a Balmoral, all off 103, 105, that sort of mark. So he's a horse who's just very, very consistent and solid off them kind of marks. And you look through it, his, his last three runs in this race, I do think they've been better better renewals. Um, he was second three years ago off off mark 102 to Tiger Duterte for Richard Hannon. That horse was sold to Hong Kong. Um, the year after he was second to Mojito, a really progressive handicapper of, of William Haggis, who ran, ran really well in the Golden Mile at Glorious Goodwood after. And then last year he was fourth behind uh, Maidani and Magical Morning. Um, mm-hmm. Both of them have <coughs> the form well since Magical Morning and was second in the Balmoral at Ascot and Maidani went and won the Golden Mile at Goodwood. So I I think check and change is check and challenge. Sorry, is the big danger in the race. He's the really unexposed horse. I think this race, it's not as good as it has been in the last couple of years with unexposed four-year-olds improving. Um, so I do think check and challenge is, is the big danger. But uh, from an each-way perspective, um, Escobar around seventeen to two. I think he's going to finish there or thereabouts. Uh, but off a mark of one six, he might just find one one or two slightly better handicapped. So yeah, Escobar and each-way price would be the one for me. Escobar, 17 to 2, best price with Paddy's and Betfair Sportsbook. But if you want the four places, you want to go to Betfred, who are 8 to 1. Uh, on to the third race on the card, the, the Distaff, uh, the Phillies listed race over a mile, and the unbeaten uh, Heredia after that impressive Royal Ascot win, uh, stepping into listed class now. Uh, 11 to 8, favourite with Skybet and Bet Victor. Uh, Grand Dame, 7 to 2, Oscula, 11 to 2, Fast Attack, 6 to 1. Uh, Queen Animatu, uh, 12 to 1. Arian, 20 to 1. Lyrical Lady, 33s. And Locke Lundy, 40 to 1. Uh, Tommy, so you like to take on um, vulnerable favourites. Is this a rock solid favourite or is this another one you're looking to, to take on? Uh, I, I probably wouldn't take her on, to be honest. I, I kind of thought that she would go really well in the Falmouth. So the fact that they're uh, avoiding that race and sticking to listed company. I wouldn't necessarily say she's like a point and shoot favourite or anything like that, but I do think that she's just kind of better than these, to be honest. Mm. Like looking at the race makeup, you can easily split it into two batches, those that win, uh, those that can win and those that can't. I mean, you've got four horses in here that are rated, what are they, 87, 82, 81 yeah. and 79. Like on, on all known form, they can't win. As much as I am a big fan of Queen Aminatu, I think she's a very well handicapped horse off 82, but Unfortunately, she probably won't be after this weekend because uh, she'll get a mark in the 90s if she... Is it a bit of a surprise to see William Haggis not, you know, looking... I mean, he's normally a bit of a master at kind of preserving those marks and looking to exploit them rather than pitching in 82 horses into listed races. Possibly, but I mean, she is owned by the Oppenheimers, so they, they do like to get their Phillies black type, especially if they think they're capable. Yeah. And, and ultimately, they are a breeding operation, so... I think they're more interested in getting the black type to potentially kind of sell the yeah. progeny later on. And, and I can understand why they'd go for this race. Like she could easily run into third, maybe even second, but I, I just, I'd be disappointed if she was good enough to win. 
Um, but of, of the four that I think that can win, like fast attack, I, I just don't think she'll be at her best over a mile on a page. I, I know she ran in the German guineas last time and she came fifth, I think it was. I just don't see a mile being her optimum trip. I think she'll be much better at seven furlongs. So she's got a little bit to prove at the trip for me. Um, Grand Dam, I'd have wanted to see a little bit more in the coronation stakes personally to be backing her at seven to two. So that narrowed it down to kind of Heredia and Oscula for me. I, I love Oscula. Like, I think she's a really likable filly. She pretty much always runs a race, but she's had plenty of runs. I'm not knocking her, but we know what a ceiling is. She she kind of she just doesn't run to anything more than one or five, and there's nothing wrong with that. That obviously makes her a really nice horse. But already as she's four out of four, she won the Sandringham with plenty in hand last time. Like you've got no idea where her ceiling is. The fact that they were talking about her as a potential Falmouth horse tells me that she's definitely better than listed company. Like Sandringham's usually a good race for horses stepping up in grade. You usually get um. Yeah, you usually get horses running off or winning off at 80, 85, and they end up being kind of group performers. So the fact that she was able to win off 96 tells me she's she's almost certainly a group performer. I, I think this is a weak race. Um, and yeah, I, I wouldn't be backing her at six to four personally, but I, I definitely wouldn't be looking to take her on either. No one's going to give you six to four, mate. 11 or eight best price. Uh, so it'd be lucky <laughs> if you got the six to four. But yeah, 11 or eight best price. Um you know, a solid favourite, but but not a tip there from Tom. Uh, have you got a bet for us, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sort of in the same boat. I actually did the exact same thing as Tom. I sort of split the race into three ways. There was the four that I would find very difficult to make a case for with Lyrical Lady, Queen Anne Artu, Ariane and Loch Lundy, who are all rated 87 or less, and they've all got around 15 to 20 pounds to make up. It, it's doable. They're all sort of unexposed fillies, but you, you like Tom says, You'd just be disappointed if one of them was to improve past the three or four better horses. Um, and then you've got the two sort of really smart two-year-olds in Oskula and Fast Attack who got their ratings of, of 104, um, both of them 104. They got their ratings from being really smart two-year-olds. And while Oskula won last time out and Fast Attack ran really well in the German Guineas, they, they still just have to prove it that they've trained on and, and they can still reach that rating as three-year-olds. As, as Tom mentioned, Oskula ran 10 times as a two-year-old, which is a fair amount um and, it, and it's obviously something nick bradley does getting getting horses black type as two-year-olds and, and they run quite a lot but yeah then, then you've got the two horses that came out as three-year-olds in heredia and grande and they both sort of have opposite profiles in the fact that heredia has come through slowly and it's stepping up from handicap company into listed company whereas grande straight away after on her third one went into group one company disappointed and now she's the one dropping down um into listed company i'm usually a fan of the horse dropping down from a better race but as tom said before i just don't think grand dame showed enough in the coronation stakes i think she's well up to this level um i, I even think she might be a, a group horse in time but i just think heredia is a group one horse here um like i say she was she was around 10 to 1 for the falmouth at one point and i, I backed her for for that race i was i was confident that the race would cut up uh, but it seems he's probably been a little bit scared off by um in spiral cut, cut up too and, much um, for you didn't it <laughs> yeah yeah well yeah there's obviously doubts about the ground with like homeless songs and nashua yeah. was still like third favorite in the race and, and gosden said no way um so yeah there was there was a few that ran in ireland at the weekend as well so that that race does look like it's going to cut up but they, they've probably just about done the right thing i think sort of trying to put my pocket to one side but they've probably done the right thing in going for this race um 
as Tom said, it's not like a penalty shoot. Um, but I do think she's probably going to take a fair amount of beating. Like she's four from four, and and she's shown lots of versatility already. She, she's won a soft ground, good ground, and she's won on firm ground. She's won in a slowly run four in a race. She's won a twenty eight runner Ascot handicap. So the sort of pace, the the, the ground, it, it won't really matter to her. Like she's been held up at Ascot. She's been prominent in a smaller field. So she's very very tactically versatile. And like the way Richard Hannon talks about her, he he completely believes that she's a Group One horse. And um, yeah, she, she's fallen with quality, but I think he he said that just when he saw this race, he thought that it was too good of opportunity to turn down, especially when Inspiral was an odds-on favourite for the Falmouth, and that they were going to take the the more slowly approach and end up in Group One company later on in the season. So she she has been a while back. Like she opened up around nine to four at the very start of the week. There was obviously doubts about whether she was going to go for here or the Falmouth, but she's mm-hmm. obviously now she's been confirmed for the race. She's been heavily backed. I, I can see. It going off shorter to be honest. I think she might go for shade of odds on or even so whilst the 11 race is out there I think if you if you do fancy it I'd take it now uh, um, but like she wouldn't be a sort of an all-in job for me I, I, like, I think she's the most likely winner but um, I would have preferred the 94 earlier in the week Have you? I think Bet Victor have got a you know, microphone in your room because as you've been talking, uh, they've taken the, the 11 of 4 and, and gone 5 to 4 so just one firm left at 11 to 8 and that's Skybet <laughs> around uh, Heredia and before we move on to the the big race of the day you know Hills and Skybet again are going four places here in an eight runner race with a five to four favorite I mean that sets off massive uh, <laughs> for me as a as a you know an each way shyster basically that that there's some excitement to be had there if you had to take one of the three in behind Grand Dame Oscula fast attack as a rock solid each way bet maybe for an each way multi uh, with Hills paying four places for the lot um I'll ask you both who, who would you take I'd, I'd personally go with Oscula just because she's more consistent. And if if you're having them sort of each way lucky 15s where you're getting where you're mm. having four horses around eight to one, you sort of want the ones that are solid and, and going to get you a place to carry your bet on. And um, I think, like I say, Grand Dame was pretty disappointing last time out, albeit in Group One company. Fast attack. Like, I mean, it's obviously hard to know sort of how strong a German Guinea's form is. Um, but yeah. like, I, I think she ran wild without being amazing. And um, yeah, there's still sort of question marks about how well she's trained on. Whereas Oscar obviously won last time out. As Tom mentioned, she, she runs to the same level every time, albeit, you know, she's not a group one horse, but she's likely going to finish in the top three here. Great stuff. Oscar, the one uh, there for Ryan. Would you have one uh, and each way fancy against the Fav for the, with those four places, Tom? Uh, I'd be the same, Oscula. Like she's a bigger price than Grand Dame. Like like Rye said, she just always seems to run a race. She is kind of the model of consistency. The only exception being the Saudi Derby. But if if uh, a race on dirt for the first time against the American and Japanese Colts can't be excused, then I'm not sure what can. But yeah, I think she'll definitely be in the top three. Definitely the top four as well with uh, Skybet and Willie Hill. <laughs> Yeah, I think Will Hill will thank me, uh, I'm sure, for for advising the Mitt Barhi, um, Check and Challenge, uh, and uh, Oscula, each way Trixie in the first three, all four places with eight, ten and eight runners. Um, yeah, that's one way to wave goodbye to... Uh, anyway, let's move on. Uh, let's let's get into the, the Coral Eclipse now, of course, uh, the big race on the cards um, and a really intriguing renewal, I would say. We've got the favourite, the French horse for Dany is the 13 to 8 favourite. Ahead of Native Trail at 130, Bay Bridge four to one, Mishrif eight to one, Alanker uh, seventeen to two, and Lord North ridden by James Doyle, not Frankie Latore, at twenty two to one after the Hood Nightmare. 
uh, Royal Ascot. Uh, Ryan, I'll, I'll give you the first uh, first run at the Eclipse. Yeah, I don't think it was just the, the hood nightmare. For <laughs> it was just the general Ascot. nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> the whole week was a nightmare. Um, getting, getting beat on a, the Queen's certainty and, and Stradivarius um, among the, the highlights for Frankie last week. But um, like this, this race, like, I think Vadani is, is the horse to beat. I think he's like, it, it's a it's pricing, but like, who's the most likely winner? I think Vadani is easily the most likely winner of the race, but like his price probably is a little bit too short. Um, if he was three to one and Nathan Fell was 13 to eight, then I'd be screaming about Vidani. But just as, as he is 13 to eight and the market sort of hasn't really missed him, I'd be a bit less keen on him purely from a price perspective. But if you were just asking me to pick the winner of the race, I do think Vidani for, for plenty of reasons. Like Jean-Claude Rouget wouldn't send many over. He's only sent one horse over in the last four seasons and that was for a listed race on the all-weather um, but the season before that he brought two horses over one was Kimar who won the Duke of Cambridge at Royal Ascot the season before that he brought three horses over one was Kimar who won the coronation at Royal Ascot and one was Almanzor who won the Irish champion and and the champion stakes at Ascot so he does not send many over but when he does he usually takes over a big big prize and Vidani obviously supplemented for the race after that pre-jockey club win and just how highly Rouchet speaks of him, think he thinks he's a real, real superstar. Uh, he's been brought along slowly. So I just think he's got the perfect profile of the race. I think the pace of the race is one of the big things here. Uh, there's no, there's just no pace in the race. Um, Badani doesn't want anything to do with the lead. He, he was sort of fairly prominent last time I was in the French Derby, but he doesn't really want to lead and he hasn't before. Native trail stepping up in trip, he won't want anything to do with the lead. Baybridge didn't want anything to do with the lead last time out. And that sort of affected his chances in the Prince of Wales, cost him the race. And then you've got Alan Carr and Lord North, who, like, Alan Carr's been prominent before, but he's not, not really front run. And, and Lord North hasn't really front run before. So you've got massive question marks on who's going to lead, who's going to take the ball by the horns. I, I personally think Alan Carr will probably lead just because he's the horse that's been raced most prominently out of them. And he has got form over a little bit further, so that might swing their way into thinking they can steal the race from the front. I am a big, big fan of Alan Carr, especially his last few runs. Obviously beat Lord North um, in the Lingfield derby. And then it went over to Maidan and didn't really stay the one mile four. They, they did the exact right thing in dropping him back down in trips 10 furlongs for the Tats Gold Cup, where I thought it was a, it was a superb race, but um, it's a form that's working out really well. Um, Broom was beaten back in fifth. He came out and won the Hardwick. Obviously, State of Rest came out and won the Prince of Wales. So um, it's a race that's working out really well form-wise. But I just think him giving the weight away to Vidani is going to be hard. And like I say, especially with the pace of the race, obviously in France, it's very stop-start. Um, it's very sort of sprint last two furlongs. And Vidani's done that in his last few runs. Um, in the French Derby trial, he was held up in a very slow pace, came through under Chris Asumian and showed a real nice turn of foot to put the race to bed. He did the exact same in the French Derby. Um, Al Bodegan and Modern News were first and second the whole way. They ended up being second and third. And Vidani was sort of behind them in fourth, fifth place and just put the race to bed very easily with a wicked turn of foot. I think if they go crawl here, which, which is likely... Um, he's he's the one at the whole race who's who's got the best turn of foot. Um, he's probably got one of the best tactical jockeys in in the world on, on board as well. So that stands him in really good stead. Um, the one I'd be massively against personally is Native Trail, like stepping up and trip for the first time. I've I've personally got no doubts he'll stay the trip. Like he made his debut of seven furlongs in June last season. Um, so I personally got no doubts he will stay. But just until they do it, you just never actually know. 
and um, yeah, he just wasn't impressive in Ireland last time as as his price suggested he was going to be. Um, he was a fair bit better than than horses, and he, he just didn't really stamp his mark on the race until late, um, which obviously suggests a step up in trip will really suit him. But I just think in this small field with no pace on, it's not really going to suit Native Trail, and I can see him being sort of nosed along a fair way out. But um, yeah, Vadani, if he was bigger, if he was a bigger price, like even if he was sort of two to one, nine to four. I'd, I'd be confident enough to go in, but just around six to four, thirteen to eight, I, I really like him for the race for the many reasons I spoke about. The pace of the race will really suit him. I think he's an improving horse. The fact he's been supplemented for the race is huge, but uh, like I, I just think the market knows knows how good he is and knows uh, all the all the positive factors for him. So yeah, if they're only just two to one, I'll, I'll be having a bet, but I'd, I'd leave him at that price. Although he, he's the most likely winner for me. So Vadani, seven to four best price now. As we're recording, Hills are going out to seven to four um, about him. So it could be that gif that you're after. I think he's trading about around about two to one on the exchanges as well. But the um, the likely winner, let's say for Ryan, uh, Tom, how do you see it? Yeah, I mean, it, it is the pace of the race is kind of what's going to solve this race. Like I, I agree with Ryan that Alan Kerr is going to be the one to go forwards. But I mean, you look at all of the runners here, how many of them are actually going to want the pace as it is? Like Vidani was superb in the Prodigy Jockey Club, but actually that was actually surprisingly a really strongly run race. Like I know you're not used to getting that in French kind of races, but El Bodegon and Modern Games, they really kind of took it up really, really kind of early, a long way from home. So yeah, I, I'm not actually as convinced that a slow pace will suit him, despite the fact that he is a French horse, a nice little uh, role reversal, if you like, from usual races. I mean, he's kind of he's he's the right favourite for sure. Like, I agree with Rai that seven to four, kind of two to one, that kind of thing is probably fair. But I'm, I mean, looking at the pace, who is it going to suit? Like Rai touched on, it didn't suit Bay Bridge at Ascot, a slow pace. Alan Kerr's probably going to have to take them along. Is he going to be good enough to kind of take them along? Probably not. I mean, you look at the Irish Guineas, it looked as if Native Trail won a slowly enough race, a slowly enough ran race, sorry. If you look at the finishing speeds, they all finished around kind of 106% finishing speeds. So that suggests it was a, a sit and sprint. But the form of that's like really easy to pick the holes in, isn't it? Like New Energy mm. was stuffed at Ascot for all he travels, like a, a travelly thing. Um, Imperial Fighter, I think he was last in the Prix de Jockey Club as well. So... There's an argument that, yes, he might be suited by it, but actually when you look at his form, it, it's not that good. It is slowly run races. I mean, Mishriff, he, he probably wouldn't mind a slowly run race, but you look at his form last year, he really needed the run in the Eclipse, and that was after running at Maidan. This year, he skipped Maidan after an absolute shocker in Saudi, so he, he's got questions to answer as well as the break. So that leaves you just kind of with Lord North, and I, I know he's got plenty of negatives, but... If it is a slow pace, hopefully there's no hood malfunction today. But I mean, <laughs> you look at you look at like his Prince of Wales win a couple of years ago. That wasn't the strongest like strongest pace. His Dubai Turf wins they haven't been with a tearaway leader. Like he he dead heated with uh, I've forgot the name Pantherasso, wasn't it? The Japanese horse and that horse made all. So if anything, like Lord North might actually be suited by a sit and sprint. I think considering what happened with a blindfold at the start and how many lengths he had to make up just to try and even be competitive, I don't think he actually ran that bad at Ascot, to be honest. Like, I know he's going to need a career best win because it is a really good field, but 
I mean, what is he? He's 22 to 1, isn't he? Like, the way mm. the race could pan out, would I think could really suit him. I, I think he's maybe a, a little bit overpriced, and I, I'd, I'd be quite happy playing him each way, 22 to 1 quarter odds. It, it seems a good price. I'm assuming there's nobody being generous enough to pay three places on this one. <laughs> Not yet, no. Because <laughs> that really would be the dream. But Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he's just a little bit overpriced. He's he's a multiple grade one winner himself, or group one, sorry. Um, yeah, I, I think he's the <laughs> overpriced one. But for all, I do think Vadini is the most likely winner. So Vadini most likely winner, as you said, seven of four, but Lord North, 22 to one. I'm just going to quickly make a case and you guys can pick it apart. I think I think Baybridge is, is the forgotten horse in this race. I, I personally think, despite being turned over at Royal Ascot, <clears throat> by state of rest I almost think that's probably the best bit of form coming into this race you've got state of rest you know a four-time now group one winner in four different countries maybe unlucky not to make that five in uh, in Ireland as well I don't think the ground particularly suited we've seen uh Baybridge go and win on on good ground at Sandown uh, over course and distance just a couple of weeks ago in impressive fashion as well um in the Brigadier Gerard too and it just feels like one of those classic cases where because there's a two rather than a one, it kind of doesn't take into account the finishing, you know, a length back in a race where <clears throat> it was it was ridden to perfection. You know, it was a, a, a race stolen from the front. I just wonder if maybe uh, if you, you know, I, I, I would almost argue that that run was a, was another step forward for Baybridge rather than a, a dent. And I do think if the, you know, if he finished a length and a half closer, um, then, then he'd probably come into this as favourite. And the Vidani form, I just wonder... Obviously, it's a group one win in France. But you look at the two horses who finished in behind, you know, James Ferguson's horse who ran well down the field in the Dante and the Godolphin horse, who um, I think we can be pretty sure is no match for Native Trail. I know the Vidani won well, but I just wonder if maybe the, the Baybridge form is um, is better than it looks in terms of the pure placings. Now you can pick me apart and tell me why I'm wrong. No, I mean, to be honest, I, I just think... You're both jumping in. <laughs> no, no, it's good. <laughs> I think, to be honest, it's a race where you could make a case for pretty much any of them. Like, Baybridge is the only non-Group 1 winner in the field. It's one of those races, personally, I just wouldn't be surprised if any of them won. So, if if you can make a case, which you have, I wouldn't put anyone off. Yeah, I was going to say, like, horse racing is a big recency bias thing. You know, if a horse wins impressive last time out, they're immediately favourite for the next race. And if a horse yeah. gets beat for whatever reason last time out, they're obviously a bigger prize. But that that's where if you've got a horse in a handicap who's won the last three, and then a horse who's been heavily beaten in the last three, obviously that one's going to be a much larger prize, but they might have a better case because of some back form four, five, six runs ago. And that, yeah, I completely agree. Like, especially with Lord North as well. Lord North and Baybridge, both of their runs last time out have made them a bigger prize. Like, Lord North, even if like the whole incident hadn't happened and he'd finished a sort of decent second or third, he'd be probably half the price that he is now. And that was no no real fault of Lord North's. Um, and the same with Bay Bridge, like the pace of the race was not really, obviously it's not his fault, but he still ran a really good race. If he won that race, he's coming here, it was it six in a row we would have won if if, that, if mm. he won that, that time out? And then obviously he would have come in here and a, a short price favourite. Um, so I just think if, I'd like Bay Bridge if there was more pace in the race. Like yeah. we've obviously seen last time out that he struggled with a lack of pace, albeit it's a little bit of a bigger field. But um, yeah, like I, I and, that, and that was an extreme, that was an extreme circumstance as well because you know they, they obviously um, they went to the front and kind of got stacked up and then then shot again, yeah. shot on again. Um, yeah. 
I feel like yeah, we made a case think, for, for most in the race. <laughs> I think, I think, well, yeah, you can, can't you? Because it's a group one race and, and almost yeah. every horse is, has got a, a really smart piece of form to the name for, for whichever reason. So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if any of the horses, if Lord North won, it wouldn't surprise me, despite him being 22 to one, purely because of his back form and you can make excuses for his, for his recent run. So, yeah, I, I just I just think Fadani had... I don't, a wicked turn of thought, especially mm. in his last two races, and, and it's with a horse and with a trainer who progresses them run to run. And Jean Claude Rouge is taking his time with Vidani, and and I think that'll pay off. You guys are much more polite than Andy, who normally just tells me that I'm I'm wrong and stupid. So thank you for that. Uh, on to the four ten. There's a reason why I'm the host, and you guys are the tipsters. But um, yeah, we'll see. I'll, I'll DM you both when Baybridge wins on uh, on sa- on Saturday afternoon. Uh, on to the handicap now. The four ten um, chairman is the seven to two favourite. Electrical Storm five to one. Aldarja six to one. Forest Falcon eight to one. Lafourban eight to one. Uh, protagonist nine to one. Uh, Aquam eleven to one. Yorkshire Lady fourteen. Sweet Reward fourteens, uh, and a few others in there as well. Uh, Fifteen runners in the race as it stands. Most firms going four places uh ryan take it away yeah um, it wasn't a race i was mad keen on at first but there, there was two in the race that I, I had interest in and both of them are making stable switches um protagonist is the first um for william haggis um it's quite interesting michael buckley the owner he's had eight horses that switched yards on the flat um in the last five seasons and out of them eight three of them won first time out for the yard and protagonist was actually one of those horses he, he switched from jamie osborne to jessica harrington and went on a really nice winning streak when he first moved mm. to jesse harrington landed a big gamble on, on his first run for jesse harrington and, and won i think three times in a row going from a mark of 76 to 90. now he still ran really well in big field handicaps over in ireland like he was fifth of 15 sixth of 22 and fifth of 14 all, all in marks of the 90s now his last one was over hurdles for harrington and he, he switched over to william haggis the sort of question mark with him is how fit is he going to be off a 221 day break but he's off mark of 89 now we usually see over, over in ireland when they come over they, they end up off mark higher than their irish mark and this horse has been running over off marks in the 90s um and he is here off the mark of 89 so he's potentially well handicapped on his first run for a stable that's going really, really well but i think the market vibes will, will, will speak with him whether whether he's fit or not and the other was a uh, um, jeremiah fit alan king it's quite interesting. James Doyle's boots on this horse. He, he's five from 24, 21% strike rate for Alan King. And out of them, 24 runners, uh, 15 of them are finished in the top three. So as a, a jockey, he doesn't book very often, around four or five rides per season, but he usually books him on one who, who's got a really good chance. And he was a really progressive horse to Charlie Fallows. And he actually stays a lot further. Obviously, I mentioned at the start of this, I do like horses that have shown form over further. And this is also who's finished second over mile six. He's won twice over mile four. Um, and then wins come off uh, 93 and 97. And he's now off mark at 94. So he, he's potentially well handicapped. He's a horse who really enjoys headgear as well. He's won a race in cheek pieces. He then won in first time blinkers. And in the first time visor, he was only being a length. So he's a horse. He's quite quirky. He reacts well to first time headgear. And um, yeah, Alan King goes back to the blinkers for him. So he's also off um, nearly a year off. He hasn't ran since Royal Ascot last season. So he's off for over a year. But um, yeah, he's down in trip to mile two. He stays a lot further. If, if they go quite quick in, the, in a big field, he, he was staying on late and, and switching yards, just like protagonists switching mm. yards might just be um, catalyst for improvement for him as well as the blinkers going back on where he won in first time blinkers last season so yeah jeremiah is a big price at 22 for alan king um and james doyle was the one i liked most but um keep an eye on the market for protagonist because he he was heavily backed on his first one for jesse harrington when he won after a yard switch and uh, he's done a similar yard switch to to william haggis this time 
Yeah, nine to one protagonists and uh, twenty-two to one Jeremiah. That's both with eight 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 sport though, who are only three places. So if you want your four places, you want to go to Hills for protagonists, seventeen to two, and twenty to one uh, with all the the four place firms as well for Jeremiah. Absolutely love first run for a new yard in a big handicap like this. Uh, a cracking angle uh, there, Tom. Who do you fancy? Uh, to be honest, I thought this was a really difficult race. Like, I thought the market had it just about right. I mean, Chairman's the right favourite. He's very unexposed. He looks to be improving from run to run, but all of his runs have been in small fields, so he's yet to prove it in a big field. And he's got the 15 box, which is far from ideal. Like Electrical Storm, he could be a massive improver, but Saeed Bin Saroy just does so well with these horses fresh, and I'm not really sure that many of them replicate it next time. So, that yeah, I, I thought the market was just about right. Like Those at the top of the market, they all... You can make cases, but you can also kind of draw plenty of negatives. If there was one that was maybe a, a tiny shade too big, I'd maybe have them at five to ones and six to ones, just about kind of a backable price. That'd be Aldarja for Charlie Hills. He's not really guaranteed to stay the extra furlong on pedigree, but if you look at his run at Sandown last time, he was second behind a very well handicapped horse in V site, and he wasn't really stopping then. So I think the extra furlong should be fine. But, I mean, what price would V-Site be in this race off about £10 higher? It'd be about kind of 3-1, to 5-2 to two again, wouldn't he? And mm. the third the third Hamaki, he won at Haydock yesterday. So, yeah, it wouldn't be a strong fancy. I probably won't bet him myself, but he's maybe <clears throat> quite too big here. If he drifts any further, like sevens or eights, then he probably would become a bet. But, yeah, at this stage, no bet for me, but I'll be keeping an eye on Aldarge's price. Aldarja six to one best price, eleven to two market price. There, um, move on to the four forty-five. We'll stick with you, Tom. Uh, it is the um, yeah another Vicoral beaten by a length free bet handicap. A bit of free marketing there for them, um, although not free because they're paid to sponsor the race uh, <laughs> over a mile or two. And uh, Pickuel is the five to two favourite ahead of Iron the Sea at four to one. Uh, forward flight also four to one. Land of Eagles thirteen to two. Youthful King eight to one. Uh, Wolseley. 12 to 1, Midnight Train 14s, Missed Down Under 16s, Holiday 20 to 1. Nine runners as it stands at the moment, plenty of unexposed types here, Tom. Uh, who catches your eye? Yeah, again, kind of back to back races, to be honest. I, I thought this was really trappy. Like you've got loads of informed horses and they've all got loads of scope for improvement as well. Uh, again, I'd not be a backer at the prices, but I thought Pickwell was the most likely winner, definitely the right favourite. Like he was relatively unfancied in the market on handicap debut at Nottingham. He came from a long way back to beat plenty of informed horses. The runner-up, he's gone close, uh, very close. I think he was beating kind of a, a short head or a neck or something like that of a £2 higher mark since. Like Pickwell's only got a £4 rise herself, she, but she was she was good value, I thought, that day. Like she won really cosy. For all, she only, got, only just got up on the line kind of a furlong out. I don't think it was ever in doubt that she was going to get up. She was just kind of just finding a stride. She's still kind of green, still got loads of kind of experience, loads of improvement, like I said. And um, you look at the damn side of the page as well. She's out of a half-sister to New Bay. So, yeah, she's got a good bit of improvement left in her. But again, I, I don't think I'd be playing at five to two myself. I'd want around seven to two to back her. So no bet race again there, um, although the, the likely winner, the one at the top of the market here. Have you got a bet for us, Ryan? Yeah, I thought I was in agreement. I thought Sir Michael Stout's pickle um, was the right favourite. My only slight doubt would be she was very, very slow away and learning on the job last time out at Nottingham. I think if she's slow away again, that, that would hamper her chances and she'd probably go a bigger price in play. Um, I think ultimately 
she'll be a lot better with an extra two furlongs um, over a mile and a half. Um, I'm surprised that they've not sort of gone over that trip this time around with her, given that she was slow away last time and took a while to find her feet and, and was a strong stayer over there, mile two at Nottingham. Um, so that that'd be only my doubt. The one I found interesting was Wolsey for Kevin Phillip Hart de Foyer at 12 to 1. Um, these owners, as, as well, the, the yard switch, um, they had one Del Montalbano um, in the same ownership who switched from David O'Mara to Kevin Phillip Hart de Foyer. And he won a really nice Ascot handicap a couple of runs back and then went off a shortish prize for Royal Ascot but didn't run so well. But the fact that the owners have sent him a couple of horses from various yards and, and um, Wanda Montalbano was a, a tricky horse who had a, f- a few different issues and then before you got him right um, and managed to win a decent pot with him. And, and Wolsey is quite similar. Um, I catch him last time out on Handicap debut at Doncaster. And that was a meeting and, and specifically that race that favoured pace. And he did well to make up the ground from the back of the field whilst hanging and was still a little bit green. But he's been gelded now, which should really, really help him. And interestingly, he's a half-brother to Duo Poli, who was an American Oaks winner over in the States for Chad Brown, who won a grade one over there. So really, really smart pedigree by Kittens Joy, who's a top American sire. And um, yeah, Wolsey, he's been gelded. He's been switched to Kevin Phillip Hart Defoy, who's who's done really well for the owners with other cast-offs from other yards. So I thought that was interesting enough at 12 to 1. But um, yeah, I thought the, the favourite was the rightful favourite for all that I'd have a couple of doubts about her. Interesting stuff. Wolsey, uh, 12 to 1, best price with Hills. Um, but again, uh, not necessarily a favourite to take on. Final race on the cards, uh, the 520, uh, the five furlong sprint handicap. Uh, lovely manner, 4 to 1. Uh, mine's a double, 5 to 1. Nelson Gay, uh, 11 to 2. Just Glamorous, 13 to 2. A few horses at 9 to 1. Live in the moment, uh, Shamalan, Fantasy Master, and King of Stars. Uh, Tone, the Barone, and Beyond Equal, both 12 to 1. And Autumn Flight, 25 to 1. Uh, Ryan, take us away in the lucky last. Yeah, I quite like winning this race. And it's, it's Adam West living the moment, um, who's dropped to a really, really nice mark. And it is around nine to one. Um, was a really progressive horse in 2020, won four in a row, mainly front run or prominent racing style. And went from a mark of 77 to the last win was off 90. Then ran a couple of big races, was second of 22 and a, a big York handicap on Dante Day. Um, off 93, second to Copper Knight, and then ran second in a listed race at Doncaster and was rated sort of high 90s. Now, hasn't been a, hasn't been in as good form in sort of the late 2021 and earlier on this season, but I just don't think a couple of races have gone that well. Um, ran okay at Epsom, eighth of 20 in the dash, nothing to shout home about. But last time out, dropped in grade um, at Windsor, was heavily backed into two to one favourite, and and I was like, when a horse is really heavily backed and something goes massively wrong in the race, to to sort of put a line through that run to then back him next time out. And this horse was was available around eight to one um, the night before, and eventually went off two to one favourite at Windsor. It's a course that suits front runners, and I think they they wanted to go back to prominent tactics at Windsor, and she just completely blew the start and was last away, and it was just game over from the start. Mm. So I'm, I'm happy to put a run through that. Now off mark of 89, um, his last win was off the mark of 90, so it was a pound lower than his last win, and that, that very good York run when second to Copper Knight came off 93, so it's definitely well handicapped enough to get back to form, stand down at a front runner's track if you can get on the front end, and uh, yeah, I think they'll they'll be hoping that put a line through Windsor, um, they were obviously confident of a, of a upturn in form there, and um, yeah, you're getting rewarded with a much better price um, this weekend at 9-1, to one. so hopefully back down to a mark of 89, back to winning ways for living the moment. 
Never the moment, nine to one across the board. Uh, final one here, final go for Tom uh, in the last. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty shocked uh, Rye's not tipped the same one that I was going to because I thought he's a <laughs> massive fan of Nelson Gay. You've tipped in the last couple of starts, haven't you? Yeah. Um, I, I think I think there's loads of pace on here. Like you've got King of Stars, Just Glamorous, Autumn Flight. They're all previous front runners. More importantly, they're all kind of drawn wide-ish. Like King of Stars is the most inside from stall six. So they could actually use plenty of kind of plenty of their energy to get over to the rail. I think that would set it up for a nice hold-up horse and that would draw my eye to Nelson Gay. I, I know he's a six furlong winner previously, but you look at his races that he's won at six furlongs. He's won at Wolves and at Southall where he was like two to seven. And even his third as a two-year-old over six furlongs at Newbury, that was that's an easy enough track. So I, I just think that for me, his best form is all over five furlongs, even though he's won over six a couple of times. Like, like I say, they're easy enough tracks. I think his best run as well is here at Sandown. Like he absolutely bolted up in a strongly run. It was relatively small field handicap, but it was really strongly run. He came like from a long way back and won by six and a half lengths going away. And he, he actually ran in the scurry later on that year. He wasn't beaten miles to be fair. And then even back at five furlongs, he was uh he was six behind significantly in the Palace of Holyrood House. So mm. that was off a mark of 91. Like he slipped back down to 86 now. He's really well handicapped. Obviously, right touched upon Windsor being a front runner's track. He was held up at Windsor over six furlongs last time. So you can easily excuse that. His start before that at Epsom over six furlongs. Again, Epsom's a really easy six furlongs to get. He looked, he ran really well there. And I thought his stamina just kind of gave out at the half long pole and he faded to be about sixth uh, i just think yeah i think the race is going to set up really nicely for him obviously ryan moore is a very positive jockey booking he's won on the horse before as well which is always a positive because he can be a difficult ride sometimes so yeah uh, 11 to 2 i'm i'm with nelson gay and rye's probably uh gonna jump off the cliff now that he's not backing up <laughs> yeah Nelson Gay, 11 to 2, the one for Tom. Uh, but Ryan, very happy, I'm sure, with his. He's living in the moment. He's not living in yeah. past glories or past defeats. And that's why he's tipping up there at 9 to 1. Uh, thanks very much to Tom and to Ryan for joining us today. Guys, where can people find you on, on socials? Um, Twitter is the main place for me. Um, Ryan OTHX would be the one. Great. And yeah. Tom? Yeah, Twitter for me as well. Pearson's Picks. There you have it. Simple as that. Thank you, guys. I'm sure we'll have you back on very, very soon. Uh, before we leave, you're just going to ask you again to download the Odds Checker app for the best prices, bookie offers, free bets, place terms, and some of the best tipsters around, including Andy Holdings' tips, straight to the app every morning of racing. Brilliant stuff from the guys. I've absolutely no doubt there'll be a couple of winners in there over Saturday's racing at Sandown. Do enjoy the racing, uh, not just on Saturday, but uh, plenty of cracking racing today as we're recording on Friday too at Sandown. Uh, but as is always the case, please do ensure that you're gambling responsibly.